0: Welcome to Metal Injections, the Squared Circle Pit! Today's special guest, Broken Fowler, Raven! And now, here's your here. host, Rob Paspari. I'm going to not even bother apologizing for taking so long with a brand new episode. It's Rob. Welcome to Squared Circle Pit. I did not forget about this podcast. It's just I had a few... Guests lined up for the last few weeks, and they all bailed them. So I didn't really have much of a show. Working on being much more consistent in 2019, that's definitely a New Year's resolution of mine. This is basically my favorite thing to do on Metal Injection, so I'm definitely going to keep doing it. Thank you for sticking around, and it's worth it because I have such a cool guest. You know, I say this a lot on the show, but when I started the podcast, one of my dream guests was Raven who I have on the show today, and Raven himself is a podcaster. He has a new podcast, or, I mean, it's a podcast that's been going on a little over a year now. It's called The Raven Effect. You can listen to him every week, and uh, he'll talk about that. And I'm so excited to talk to him about music. Turns out he's not much of a metal guy, uh, which I guess isn't too surprising. Uh, it seems that, that that to be the case with most of the metal characters in pro wrestling. Uh, and it's it's great to talk to him. We had a great chat. Uh, We went on for quite a while, Uh, much longer than originally scheduled because we just had a great time talking. And uh, I think you're going to really enjoy it. So why am I still talking? We'll we'll go to the Raven stuff and then after I'll talk about everything going on in the world of pro wrestling. Now entering the Squared Circle Pit, a former NWA World Champion, former ECW World Champion, most importantly, former WCW Light Heavyweight Champion, (laughs) and a fellow member of the tribe. Raven, thank you so much. For, for joining me on the Square Circle Pit on what is the first day of Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, Raven. It's
1: Hanukkah? <laughs> Today's the I first no day. Idea. Well, I'm glad I could I bring you so, this update. <laughs> I am so un-Jewish.
0: So did you did you uh, even have a, a bar mitzvah? I never had one. No, yeah.
1: I never had one. You didn't have one either?
0: No, no. My parents were like, uh, you could do a bar mitzvah or we can go on a vacation. I'll like, I'll take the vacation.
1: Really? I thought I was the only Jew that didn't get bar mitzvah.
0: Nope, 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 nope. I guess I guess huh. we're in an elite class of Jews
1: that refuse the. I heard the greatest word. line. This this comedian had the greatest line. He goes, uh, he goes. We're really good at the forty year dash.
0: <laughs> and I, I I like that you are anti comedy. You have a podcast now, The Raven Effect. That's what you're doing now. And I I, I like. Yeah. That. And and I feel like there's a lot of uh, an old school vibe to the comedy you're into. What are some of your Favorite comedies is The Jerk one of them. Am, am I remembering this correctly? Uh,
1: no, that's Disco's favorite movie second okay. favorite
0: movie. Well, what is it? What's um, it?
1: No, I like The Jerk, but I didn't think it was that spectacular. But, um, um, some of my favorite comedy movies, um, uh, let me think, uh, I can't even, oh, of course, Fletch, uh, Stripes, Caddyshack, and Monty Python's Holy Grail. Oh, uh, those are the four big There you go. Yeah, the four. The four but but I love Henny Youngman. I love that old school comedian. Um, yeah. So I, you know and then I also love Daniel Tosh. But my, my stand up is more like um, it's Mitch Hedberg like is
2: mm-hmm. the
1: best one I can say. I mean it, it really there's there's a Stephen Wrightness to it, but it, it's not monotone. You know. Right. Yeah. It's
0: it's mostly it's one liners. It's a lot of a lot yeah. of plays on words. A lot of puns. Uh, have you heard yeah, of that? Have you heard funny of that?
1: Puns. Yeah, absolutely. Puns have, a, puns have a terrible reputation because everybody, like that's why we buried the Cheers and Cheers guy from TV Guide so much on the, on the podcast, mm-hmm. the, the Raven Effect podcast. You can, new episodes are every Monday. You can listen to it um, on, uh, on anything that has podcasts. Very proud. It's, uh, it's really funny. It's not, it's, if you're expecting a lot of wrestling, don't. I mean, if you're not a wrestling fan, then you'll love it anyway because it, it has almost no wrestling in it. You know, it's wrestling adjacent. Is really, I'm, but we're you know because I was a wrestler, that's what the right sports category, but it should be in the comedy category. It's you and but, your, uh, your
0: co-host uh, Busby. Just you guys riff,
1: right? You get A lot of riffing. Yeah, we just riff on everything and try to be. And our goal is to be funny. I mean, if everything everything should amuse you, there should be nothing that doesn't amuse you in some way. Like even if we hit a heavy topic, we'll mm-hmm. still find a way to make it funny. You know. Yeah. Have
0: you heard of the comedian Neil Hamburger? I think. He's totally up your alley. I've heard of him, but uh, I don't think I've ever seen him. Got to look up some clips. It's also just one-liners with really, with really nasty punchlines. Like uh, for, like one I remember is like, why did Metallica cut off their long hair? Their barber told them it was the only way they can get get out all the matted cum.
2: <laughs> That's it.
0: <laughs> That's the <laughs> joke. So I think... That's uh, funny. <laughs> I think it's it's totally up your alley. But yeah, so this podcast, we try to talk you know, about...
1: That's, that's like, well, that, that's like a joke I wrote the other day. I just wrote this joke the other day. Is I got a friend who's a vegan. She doesn't eat meat. But she will go down on a fish. <laughs> uh,
0: I saw I saw you do the stand-up on the Jericho Cruise, and I really like the bit comparing a woman's period to, to a wrestling match. Uh, with... Uh-huh. With the getting, uh, the, I'm not going to ruin the punchline, but I, I really uh, I thought that was a good bit as well. Uh,
1: was it? Wait, what was the punchline? The punchline
0: was like, and uh, sometimes you get color. Uh, oh
1: no, no, that, that was sex. That was about sex, not a woman's period. Oh, not a woman's period.
0: You're right. I'm sorry. I, I fucked that up. It was yeah. the color it, was the period. Something
1: like it goes something like I, I forget exactly because that's why my uh, my recall is uh, damaged from too many chair shots to the head and too right. many drugs in the 90s. But um but basically it goes that uh, sex should be more like pro wrestling. There should be uh there should be winners and losers. There should be a referee to tell you no, there's not the winners and losers. There should be a referee there to tell you or there should be somebody there to tell you who won or who lost. Um <laughs> it should you should dress in colorful costumes and use uh and use foreign objects like a cheese grater. Um it's phrased better, so it's funnier, and then something, and then at the end it goes, uh, "You should get twenty five extra for getting color," you know, because uh, if you're a wrestling fan, and getting color means you know when you bleed, and uh, and if you're not a wrestling, if, and fan, if you're a you sex get fan,
0: getting color is when you're when you're doing the period, the period sex.
1: Oh, that's why. Oh, I that, said, That's yeah, the no, joke.
0: And that's the joke
1: that you're you do. Yeah, no, no. I meant, I meant like, you get twenty five extra for color because in wrestling. The old timer used to get like twenty five extra for getting color, for getting blood, for bleeding <laughs> playing yourself. Nice. Yeah, so it's even funnier. Yeah, I mean, your way works too, but my way's funnier. So there.
0: <laughs> well, it's a double entendre. It's a play on words. You you're so good at puns, you didn't even you didn't even pick up on the on the pun that you were suggesting. It, it,
1: it just well, <laughs> I just I I did, but I did, but I just don't think of that as the joke, though. You know, I, I think it's funny because. It's, it's, uh, it's an old-timey, you know, it's an old-timey yeah. wrestling thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I want you
0: got a, lot, a lot to talk about, uh, a few things to talk about. Well, like, the, the podcast here is about the intersection of uh, mu- music, rock and metal, and, and pro wrestling. And I feel uh, the Raven character is, is a perfect example of that, how you kind of took the what was happening with music, and, and, and made a character that people could immediately know, like, oh, I know who this guy, who this guy
1: is. Yeah. And uh, I, I made it, I tried to make it a three dimensional as opposed to two dimensional and cookie cutter uh, characters that most people portray. Yeah. And I feel
0: at the time it was one of the most three dimensional characters and, and the most uh, layered uh, storytelling uh, with the whole angle with Tommy's Dreamer and, and just the whole, everything about the character worked and
1: including well, my, let me let me just interrupt for one sec my so. idea was I wanted to take something personal because inside I you know I act on the surface I act cool and aloof but inside you know I got anxieties and fears and foibles like everybody else and I wanted to take that inner turmoil and I wanted to make it so reflective of my character that you knew in any situation exactly how he was going to behave that that he was right. so realized as a character, so fully realized as a character that you knew if, if he was if, if he was put in this situation, you'd be able to go, yeah, he would do that, you know, without even having to think about it.
0: And, and like I said, like the whole character was so well defined. Like you wore really cool shirts. You wore like a Melvin shirt. Nevermore, you wore like metal and rock shirts. I spoke to... Gabe Sapolsky before, and he mentioned how he would go to, to metal shops and, like, like shop for, for shirts and, like, show you, and you'd, you'd kind of pick them out. Like, do you remember, like, coming up with, like, the the costuming for the character and also using the, the theme song they used, which was uh, Offspring, come out and play?
1: Yeah, um, basically, I came up with the name and the outfit all within five minutes. Like, it was just an epiphany. Like, I started thinking to myself, all right, what would what would this character be called? And I go... All right. What's the closest the analog I can think of? Well, okay. Let's say the crow. The crow was yeah. named. His name was Eric Draven. Draven. Raven. Quote the Raven. Nevermore. Boom! I got a name and a catchphrase. I mean, that's how quick it came to me. Like, right. you know, I was, I just, and, and I'm sure I thought of other movie characters, but that that was the what? Like, I just when I went to when I thought of. Okay, let's see the crow. You know, uh, the Red Hot Chili Pepper characters in Point Break. But I remember that the, uh, the Crow character was named Derek Draven. And I said, Draven, Raven, quote the Raven, Nevermore. Good. Now I'm a catchphrase in the name. Um, and then I go, what do I wear for the outfit? So right away, I knew I needed jean shorts. Uh, well, not right away, because first I tried on. I, I, knew short, I knew my shorts had to be knee length, because that was the style. And now it's what, what somebody who uh, dressed that way would wear. And that's what I wore anyway. So I got with jean shorts. Um, then I thought, well, I got to add some flannel to it because, you know, it was uh, the Nirvana era. So there had right. to be a little flannel. So at first I, made, I cut off, I put a flannel shirt on and cut off the sleeves. And I was like, no, nah, I look like Big Josh. Remember Matt <laughs> one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I could, I could yeah, see I was like, I like, that. Yeah, I look like Big Josh. So that's not it. So I go, uh, so then I go, all right, oh, wait, I'll tie the flannel around my waist. Boom, that's it. All right, now, do I need a t shirt? I always liked wearing it. I liked the t shirt because, A, because then I realized I need a leather jacket, you know, which I had a leather jacket that I wore all the time. So I was like, I'll just put my leather jacket on and I'm set. Jean shorts, Doc Martens, leather boots, I mean, Doc Martens, jean shorts, flannel shirt, and a leather jacket. But then I started thinking, I'm going to wear the leather jacket every day. There needs to be variety for this, this character. Everybody needs variety, you know, but I'm never going to change the jean shorts. So I got to have something that changes every episode. Which would be my t shirt. So I put on the t shirt, and because I've never had, like I've always, I used to have big arms and big shoulders, but I had no chest and no stuff, and I had a big waist. So I wore, so I cut off the sleeves of the t shirt, show off my arms and shoulders, wore the t shirt so that way I would hide my waistline anyway, so I don't have to worry about it, and, uh, and my lack of chest. And also, then I could change the shirt every day, every, uh, every match. So every match, you're seeing me wear something different. You know, just like, just like people would change their ring tights all the time.
0: Right. Yeah. You know? and, and I think that's something that you, like, just the attention to the le- little details like that really made the character stood out. And, and I remember you saying like, in like a previous interview, just like every wrestler should come out with a jacket or just something to take
1: off to like,
0: just look yeah. cool.
1: You, you gotta have a ring jacket. I tell, you know, it became a running gag because I would say it so much, but it's true. And it's like, and I remember when America's Most Wanted, we were in TNA and they, they finally got a new ring jacket. I'm like, sweet. I go, how many did you get? They go, we just got one. I'm like, uh, and they they were all disappointed. I'm like, what? I go, well, think about it. I go, they go, you're going to wear one new jacket. You wear it out. The next time you wear it. Okay. We've seen it third time. Oh, we we, we always see this. Okay. So, and so I go and they're like, no way. This new jacket's going to be great for months. By the third show, they were like, yeah, you're right. You know, because you need to have a variety. So that's why you need to have five jackets or at least you used to, because, you'd have four weeks of TV and the fifth and then the pay-per-view. So you'd have to have right. five jackets that you could rotate. So people never saw you in the same jacket until eight weeks, until six weeks later, or five weeks later and jackets don't have to be expensive. I mean, I had 12 or something when I was in Portland wrestling, I was making, uh, in fact, I just did an interview with a guy from Portland about Portland wrestling. And, um, and we never even came, talked about this, but like um, we started to talk about it, but we didn't get to it. But, like it was money-wise, this was eighty-nine, ninety. I was making five hundred 500 to five hundred and fifty bucks a week plus pictures, which so I was making seven, eight hundred bucks a week at least, mm-hmm. um, which is a really good living. It's not something you can make million. You know, you can't. Li- you can You know, put a put a lot of weight on it. But you can make it. That's a great living for you know a twenty-three year old and you know an eighty-nine yeah. or ninety. But it's still, you know, to buy a bunch of ring jackets, like Flair used to spend thousands on his. So I was like, I'm not doing that, but you got to have ring jackets. So I would go to the, like, TJ Maxx, I'd buy a jean jacket, like a really, like a a unique one. Because I always had the weird, unique ones that didn't sell. And then I'd get a bunch, I went to the fabric store and bought a bunch of uh, neon fabric, because neon was in back then. And I bought a bunch of fringe, fringe is cheap. And I just had somebody sew it all together. And then all of a sudden I had like 12 ring jackets and then I would cut, a lot of them I would cut holes in and then I would wash them and dry them so that they would fray. So I'd create holes all over them. Sometimes I'd add those little metal, um, things you see on leather jackets, you know, um, yeah.
0: the studs.
1: spikes, not the yeah. spikes, but the little metal knobs, Stuts. Stuts. you know, and add those to the jacket. And I had like, you know, where I'd find like an iron on patch, you know, so I had like 12 ring jackets, you know, my second year in the business. And it made me look like a star. And, and to be a star, you got to look like a star. And guys don't get that. Right, it's a cosmetic I mean, it's business
0: amazing. ultimately. You know, it's 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 all that? it's all it's a cosmetic business. It's all based on looks. Yeah,
1: got to look the part. Yeah, I mean, you know, and so and that's the great thing about wearing a t-shirt is you never have to like if you're a bodybuilder guy like Lex Luger. What well, if you ever lose your body, your gimmick's shot. You know what I mean? So you right. have to stay in perfect shape ever. I never had to stay in perfect shape because all I had to do was have arms, you know? Yeah. You just, you could eat that burger and not feel guilty about it. <laughs> right. But I mean, uh, man, well, I what about the shirts?
0: Like, did you, were you discriminant about what, what kind of shirts the Raven character would wear? Would it be bands
1: that you like, or just like shirts that look cool? Uh, it was all, at the beginning, it was all bands, bands that were cool or pres- presumed to be cool. Like, I never really listened to the Melvins, but I knew who they were, so I got mm. the Melvins. But it was a cool shirt. Um, I didn't listen to ministry, but I had a ministry shirt. I had a suicidal tendencies. I never really listened to them. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. My musical tastes were so not Raven. They were, um, I like 70s soul, the 70s Philly soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I like black. I love black dance music from the 70s. Um You know, like um, disco, basically,
0: or or you wouldn't call it disco. (laughs) Would you say disco, or 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 is it
1: not like yeah, yeah, even disco. I, I, I loved it. I mean, I, I loved because I loved anything with a beat. You know, yeah. Like if you listen, if you saw, if there's an interview I read with Motorhead with Lemmy, and Lemmy loves Britney Spears because it's got melody. You know.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You would never
1: catch Lemmy uh, playing Britney Spears, but that's what he likes. Right. And it's funny because his music doesn't really have a lot of melody to it. You know, Motorhead. You know, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not the most melodic. But that's what he likes to listen to. That's what I like to listen to. But Or 70s uh, classic rock. Like, basically, my, my tuner was stuck in the 70s. Um, and then I liked the alternative 80s, like the Cult, you know. And then I loved Nirvana and Stone Temple Pilots. I mean, that was a great uh, set of uh, years of music. But right. So, like, more of the, the alternative loud.
0: grunge stuff, like... Pearl Jam, Smasher Pumpkins, like those, those type of bands are
1: more your alley than the more yeah. heavy stuff? No, no, those are, I, I, Soundgarden, um, mm-hmm. Stone Temple, I like Stone Temple Pilots better than Nirvana. Um, I loved uh, Stone Temple Pilots. I, um, I agree. They were great. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought I was thought it was such a shame they got the labeled a ripoff of Nirvana because they weren't. But, you know, Pearl Jam I liked. Um, although the first time I heard Pearl Jam 10, I hated it. You know, it sounded all the same. Until I listened to it with open ears, and I was like, "Oh yeah, now I get it." But you know, it all depends how you hear something the first time. But but the stuff I would always go back to would be would be the seventies, like seventies classic rock, seventies Philly soul, like the OJ stuff like that. Because that's where I was born in Philly in the seventies. You know, Mm -hmm. I was born in the sixties, but I grew up in the seventies in Philly. You know, so you go back. I think people go back to the music they listened to when they were ten to twelve is what they listen to when they get older.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of find myself doing that now as well, or kind of going back and, and listening to music that was of the era when I was that age, but I wasn't necessarily listening to, like, like 80s kind of, uh, you know, New York, like, new wave sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, well, I liked The, the Cure. The Cure was amazing. Um, Depeche Mode, I, I how do you feel about those guys? What's that? Depeche Mode? Were you, were you a Depeche Mode guy? Depeche Mode I liked. I didn't love them, but I liked them. Okay. But... The Colt, I love the Colt, they were amazing, although I saw them in concert once, and they were terrible, <laughs> but what do you, but I think it was the last stop on their tour before they went to like South America or they just got back from South America, so they were wiped out or something
2: right. but uh
1: but they were free they were free tickets too, which made it worse, like for free tickets, you want them to be good, you know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, less bothered if it's bad for
0: free gig. Like, good thing I didn't pay for this crap. Like
1: You that's would kinda... think that, you would think that, but it's I guess you still make,
0: bothersome. right. You still make the effort. You have to drive there. You pay for parking, probably get a drink or whatever. It, it
1: actually, <laughs> I would have thought that too. And and I did think that until it actually happened. And then I was like, right now I'm more disappointed than if I would have paid. <laughs> Cause if I would have paid, I could have just decried it as, you know, well, what a waste of money, but I didn't waste any money, you know? So now I, <laughs> it's just a waste of time. It, so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, it was so it's so disappointing, but 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 I but I listened to um like I hated top 40 80s. 80s top 40 was the worst. But I liked the 80s, you know, the the alternative the new waveish stuff that wasn't you know radio friendly, you know, so it, was, yeah. it wasn't on the radio very often. Yeah. I, but but eventually I stopped listening to current music about 2000, I guess, or before that. And then uh and then I started listening then I listen to podcasts now. So I don't even listen to music. Well, got well, although sorry although God. let me just say this um my I, every time I uh, I have a bunch of alarms throughout the day to go off and I use you know see so have, have music play instead of the alarm go off mm-hmm. and uh, and so every time so often I'll rotate songs in there and I just I've heard this in forever but I had a uh, brother Kane and fools shine on what a great song that is oh I'll have to check that out I'm sure I've heard, heard I'm sure I'm sure I've heard it It just had a the uh, I'll sing it to you, but loud. I'll sing it to you, but I sing horribly.
2: And fools shine on. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've definitely yeah. heard it. And when you have a
0: majestic voice, <laughs> you, you could have wow. been a singer. You could have been a singer. <laughs>
1: could have been a lousy singer.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure.
1: <laughs> well, if I could have been a singer, if I could have been a singer, I wouldn't have went into wrestling. That's that was that was the only thing I would have rather have done. That's fair. That's fair. And,
0: and so, like, you do have quite a mind for wrestling. And one thing I thought that was kind of uh, was pretty cool. And I mean, I don't career wise, maybe not so much for you was when you were hired as a producer for WWE. Now, I know you said, like, they kind of thought you were too small to be a wrestler or, or whatever. But like, you still had to convince Vince McMahon or like, like how, <laughs> how did you convince him? That you knew what you were doing, like booking wise, where he gave you authority to like come up with scripts and stuff like that.
1: Mm. Basically, I did. Jerry Lawler had a, had a had a had a some legal issues, so he left the company, mm-hmm. and he slid me in as a color commentator with Vince. And uh, so I used to do commentary with Vince on Superstars, which was the number one show they had before. You know, even though until Raw became the number one show. Right. Right. I but mean, had, I watched it. it. Yeah. It was. So I commentated with him, and, uh, and he saw how prepared I would come with bits and stuff and, and how good I did, and he realized that, that I should be behind the scenes, which I didn't want to be, you know, because I knew I was qualified for it. I just didn't want to do it, but, you know, it wasn't like I was getting any other offers. So I took that, and, um, and then that's eventually why I quit, because I wanted to wrestle. But, I mean, he, he was grooming me to be on the booking committee when Pat, like Pat and Bruce before there even was a booking committee.
0: Yeah, I, and that that's pretty, like, he clearly uh, saw something in you, which I, it doesn't seem like he trusted that many people around that time.
1: No, I mean, but I was, uh, but Pat and Bruce kept, you know, they kept screwing me over left and right, so I mean, I, I never would have survived it. I mean, I don't know how Russo survived it. He came after me. Um, I don't know how he survived it, because those two were so cutthroat, you know, because, they saw it as somebody coming in to take their job, you know? Right, right, so, right. And there was a lot
0: of, poli- like, there's a lot of office politics that you have to, it's not, like, you're oh into it God. for the wrestling, and for them, it's like, oh, you got to dress a certain way, arrive a certain time, and that's not your oh, style. they made me this.
1: wear suits, they made, like, it was a big project to turn me into a mensch, you know? <laughs> like, it, seriously, it was. And so, like, you know, they, they got me into a suit and tie, and I would, then I would just... As soon as the show, as soon as work was over, I'd go right, to take off my tie, put on my leather jacket, go to the club, stay out till four in the morning, and then start over the next day. You know.
0: So did the like ECW opportunity come, and then you decided to quit the job, or did you quit the job and then were like, I need to find a gig wrestling, and that's how you kind of got? I quit. The, I
1: quit the job, um, and thought I would, and and figured that. Uh, what do you think? I don't know what happened? Um, yeah, I quit the job. And I was gonna hopefully go to Smoky Mountain because Cornette kept saying he'd bring me in, and he kept blowing me off. Thank God he did because eventually I saw the ECW show because I moved from Connecticut back to Philly, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. That's the, like the a hub for all indie shows because you know the shows are either in New York, New Jersey, Philly, or Maryland. Like that's where you make the most money doing the most amount of indies because you know the most population. You know you move to the south. There's there's probably just as many shows in the south, but they don't pay anything because there's not as much income down here. Mm. So moving back to Philly was you know. Plus I love Philly, so I was like I'm more than happy to move back there. So I caught an episode of ECW, and as soon as I saw it, I was like I got to be on this show. This show is amazing. It's nothing like what the critics you know, Like the the sheets were all like ah oh, it's all garbage wrestling blah blah blah. Nothing like that. It was a, it was a revolution in in wrestling. I mean it was it was so. And I caught it just as the wave was starting to, to like, yeah. it, I, I I I align I uh, analogize it to, as if as if everybody's out there waiting for the perfect wave, and I just happen to, and it's four in the afternoon. And they've been waiting all day, and I just happen to paddle out and turn around and like, oh, here comes the wave, and then I just jump right on it. You know, like they yeah. did all the all the groundwork was done. And all I had to do was just jump on it and... Uh, and ride that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: I remember the first episode of ECW I saw. I lived in New York my whole life. And for some reason, in my uh, in one room in my house, the antenna would get the Philly channels. And just uh, Channel 48, I, I forget the call letters, but every night they would have wrestling at 10 p.m. And it'd be a different promotion. It'd be like IWCCW... Uh, a few other ones, and then one night it was ECW, and immediately ECW st- st- stuck out from all the other ones. And it's it was an epiphany. Yeah, and, and the first episode that I saw, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was you with Beulah, and Beulah revealing that she had Tommy Dreamer's baby, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> like, like the all-time classic. And I was like, from that moment, I was so hooked. Just from the story of like, first of all, like I recognized you at. Like not, I was like, "Oh, that's Scotty Fuini. What's he doing now?" And just it was so cool seeing all these wrestlers you notice from like all these other promotions, but they're doing gr- grittier characters, cool storylines. Like the whole few, like every week, it'd be you and the Bruise Brothers and like whoever you are lackey that. Like you just find a new way to get on top of time Dreamer, and I was like, I was
1: hooked completely. The best thing about the the way, about the pregnancy angle was the the funniest part was was when I go. When when she goes, it's not yours, and the audience, somebody yells out, it's meanies.
0: <laughs> I have to go back and listen to that. but I wrote you just immediately attacked Stevie, right? Because <laughs> you thought it was yeah, him. yeah,
1: attacked Stevie because it's not. No, I know what it was. It was I forget exactly, but it was it was I attacked Stevie, and he goes, it's not Stevie's, and then and then somebody yells out, it's meanies.
0: <laughs> I love that. That's great. Uh, and yeah. so, I mean, you had a great run in ECW, and then you you cashed in, and and and, and went the mainstream. And I think it was kind of cool when you got to WCW because you were kind of booking your own promotion within WCW. Like you were kind of removed from the NWO stuff. You had your own little feuds and your own yeah.
1: people. And you uh, were you just basically writing all your own stuff? Not quite. Not exactly. In fact, what happened was. When I got there, Terry Taylor came up with the idea to put me with uh, sit in the stands, which was brilliance. I mean absolute brilliance. He's also the one that came up with the Ravens rules matches, which I like but I don't like in the same I, here's the thing. When there's a rule when there's no rules, then you don't get heat. You know what I mean? You don't get the same kind of heat. Yeah, you can't. So, shoot I, would so, wet. Rather, so I would have rather so I would've rather at first I would've rather not had the Raven rules and then when for the drop to hold on the chair, I would've had the ref distracted by Stevie. And then use the drop to hold on the chair, get rid of it. But by the same token, what I also knew was if you pretend that there, if you do everything behind the ref's back, people forget that there aren't any rules and they still get mad, Mm -hmm. which I learned in ECW. So I was like, well, this would be cool anyway. So it doesn't matter. So, but, and it worked out great because it was something to identify with me with. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, but but it was also, but people forget, like, I would, like, people would always want to do stuff when they'd be in a Ravens Rules match. They want to do stuff. And I was like, not in front of the ref. And they're like, well, why? There's no rules. I go, because it doesn't have the same. If you do it behind the ref's back, people get mad because they're conditioned. They're psychologically conditioned to get mad you're doing it behind the ref's back. And you should get mad about that. So you forget that it's, there's no rules because you're caught up in a storyline, which, which all goes back to, right. goes
2: Otherwise,
1: back I, to psychology, which that's my specialty, you know, because human nature is human nature. You know? Like, I remember one guy, somebody, one time somebody said, wow, wrestling psychology is like human psychology. I go, it's the same thing. Yeah. Psychology is psychology. Yeah, I mean, it's it's human behavior, what we're conditioned for. It's why I was always able to do unique stuff, because if people expected me to do one thing, I would do something else. Like, I saw this spot, Colonel De Beers did it in Portland, and, and it literally blew my mind. It's such a simple spot. But, you know, uh, like for a while back in the in the late uh, late 80s, early 90s, the guy, the baby face would be out on the floor. He'd go to get in and he'd give the, baby, the heel two gut shots at the ropes, and then he'd do a sunset flip over him, over the top rope, and over mm-hmm. the guy and sunset flip him. Yeah. That became a pretty standard spot. Right. So one day I'm watching Colonel De Beers. When the guy did the sunset flip, he just moved.
0: He <laughs> just saw it he coming. He moved.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like, like, like he was wise to it. Like he'd seen it happen enough. So he moved out of the way and the guy crashed and burned. And, and, and all of a sudden, the light went on. It was like, I, now I get making, now I get that you can confound expectations and get re, and, and, and you, can, you can do things that look like you're doing what everybody else is doing. And then you make a left turn and you'll blow their minds. Right. And, and it's, it's thinking out, it's, it's the first, it was really what got me thinking outside the box. And which is also why I love uh, hardcore matches because, see, when people get in hardcore matches, all they do is they go back and forth. I'm like, why would you change the psychology? It's baby face shine, you'll get teat, baby face makes a comeback. You don't change the match style for because it's hardcore. You just use the weapons as alternative props.
0: Yeah, and I like how, like, in your matches, you would build to the drop toehold to the chair. Like, everyone's anticipating the spot, and you keep kind of... Teasing and teasing it as opposed to doing fifty hardcore spots, you really make the one or two in the match count.
1: Yeah. Or or I would do like I would do a big spot early like with a crash and burn, so we'd both be injured so I could sell the rest of the match. Mm-hmm. So me and Dreamer would get we would do spots that we would, that would injure both of us, like in the first four minutes in a twenty minute match, and then we'd have sixteen minutes to just act like we're injured and milk everything and get the drama out of everything. Whereas you know, because the more injured you are, if you sell it right, the more you can take your time and the more everything means everything because you're already hurt, you know, but guys don't think that way. They just think, they just think, you know, like, and I, I still don't understand why people, when they get a hardcore match, they just think, well, I hate you with a pot. You hit me with a pan. I hit you with that. You hit me with this. Why do you change the psychology? And that's why my matches I maintain always were so much more, you know, it's like, It's why my matches got over the way they did and didn't become just, you know, a garbage match.
0: Yeah, there was a story to them too, I
1: feel. Yeah, there's a story because you still got to tell a story, but back and forth, you know, whether it's a – and that's what a lot of the high spot guys do is they'll have a match, they'll they'll go 10 minutes, and then they'll go into the comeback and the finish, and then they'll do 18 minutes of false finishes. Well, that's not a false finish anymore eighteen minutes now you're doing now you're just doing a back and forth match after you already had a half a match before you know right it's I... diminishing returns you know false to me, a false finish is when the crowd goes one two ah mm-hmm. it's not a two count just because it's a two count doesn't mean it's a false finish, and if you don't set it up right, it doesn't mean it's a false finish it just it's just a two count if you don't set it up right, you know
0: yeah. That's true, and you see that a lot. I feel like it's a big crutch now—the false finishes—to try to get the crowd to be hyped and, and them thinking like, "Wow, this is a great match." It's like, well, they're
1: just doing their finishes back and
0: forth, usually.
1: And 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 how how into the how emotionally invested? Because wrestling, the, the the key with wrestling is you're emotionally invested. That's what makes you buy tickets. That's what makes you pay to see the stars you love and the stars you hate. But you don't—you'll never pay for a guy you just like or dislike. You'll only pay for the seats. Like that's why main events sell fights. That's why you can have a fight with like Mike Tyson sold out zillions of fights with no undercard, you know, because you're paying for the main event. You know, Conor McGregor, when he fought Floyd Mayweather, he could have had the most, I mean, it wasn't the greatest undercard. Wait, was it? I forget, but it could have been the worst undercard ever. It still would have done that business because you're paying for the main event because you're emotionally invested in these people. And so, if you're not emotionally invested, then you, it doesn't have any resonance to people at home. But I lost my train of thought. So, basically, <laughs> well, what was the point I started making? We're talking about story, uh, the, the storytelling that
0: you know, was important in the in the match, and that you had to care yeah, about the characters as opposed to the false finishes.
1: Yeah, no, but but I was leading to a big point. Um, hang on, um, I'll just talk until I see if I can discover it again. Um, <laughs> but but you um. So you're emotionally invested in the characters, and so if you're not emotionally invested in them, you're not going to pay to see them, and you're not going to be a big star. You're not going to be. You have to be loved or hated, and they have to, and they be loved or hated. You have to a be a star. I'm getting repetitions. I'm trying. Man, I had a really killer point to this story, and I well, well, let maybe maybe
0: yeah. If we move on, maybe maybe
1: it can come to, but
0: really quickly, you mentioned that you were drugged out. For most of the 90s. And, and I mean, this is a sense of topic, so if you don't want to talk about it too much, I understand. But I was, like, the thing that I, I wondered about is, like, would people bring you stuff? Would you carry stuff across state lines?
1: Like, how, how would that... No, I, I only did pharmaceutical stuff, so... Oh, okay, so it's all prescription. Yeah, it's always had a prescription, yeah. I see. Oh. But, you know, it's like... I'll, I'll talk about it because I'm not embarrassed about it, but I don't like to talk about it in a braggadocious way. No, I don't. It's, I don't, it's, why, yeah. my, it's, it's why on my podcast, we always give, because sometimes my stories are going to be braggadocious and they're going to be drug-fueled adventures, but that's why we always give a, an, an addiction hotline number at the end of the show and uh, and a website that you can, addictionandrecovery.org, if you need to learn about it or if you want to if you have family members with problems. Because, you know... Yeah, that sounds like a great time. But, man, there was so much sadness. There was so much other stuff that we don't talk about that's miserable. You know, and it took me forever to get clean. And there's a lot of tragedy involved. Well, I'm sure you lost a lot a of friends. Problem. So
0: it wasn't – I didn't mean
1: it uh, that way. No, I'm, no, I'm not saying you did. I'm yeah, not yeah. saying you did. I'm just saying – but that's why when I talk about it, I usually talk about the good times. But I don't talk about the bad times. And so it becomes something that people want to do. Oh wow! Look how much fun he had. That's why I wanted to do drugs. Look how much fun they are. But they're also they're also annoying and tragic and de- and painful and devastating. And so, you know, we try. And so whenever we we always give the in, the addiction hotline number and, and the uh, address for the website for an addictionandrecovery.org. But whenever what we really plug though, we we just we just list them at the end on most shows. But if we tell a drug fueled story, we always try and say, look. Sounds like it's a great time, and it was. But there was all these shitty times, too. And, and if you have problems, get help, and here's the number. Because I, I really, I think there has to, because all, who wants to hear about the shitty times? You know what I mean? Right, yeah. So, and, and, and there was a reason you were doing it. It's uh, like, you were,
0: uh, you you had a crazy schedule. You know, you were likely in no, constant pain. No, it. No, you were just it. doing it for the fun? I did, for, <laughs> I
1: did it for the fun. I did it because I was an addict. Okay. You know, and I did it because that's what I wanted to do. You know, you can say I, you know, I could be a hypocrite and say, "Oh no, I just did it for because I was because of the schedule." That's bullshit. You know, you, you didn't do it because of that. You did it because you liked it. You know. Well, I I, I appreciate the
0: honesty of that. Uh, so uh, yeah. honestly,
1: yeah. it's fun. It's fun until it's not fun. Right. And then once it's not fun, it's not fun. You know, and that's that. That's the problem is you can't, it's hard to determine whether you're somebody who can do a little or you're going to do a lot, you know, and you may think you're only going to do a little like I did, but I ended up doing a lot, you know, and, uh, and then it becomes, once it becomes an addiction, then it becomes a a long-term, a long-term nightmare, but you're still going to have big high spots in the, you know, you're still going to have great times during those nightmares, but you're going to have more nightmares than you have high spots, and those are the things that nobody talks about, um, and those are why you have to, I always believe you have to give the caveat that if you're going to tell good stories, you have to make sure you mention it, that, uh, you know, if you're going to tell rock and roll excess stories about sex, drugs, and, you know, a couple of chicks you pick up, you know, and you're all doing drugs and getting laid, blah, 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 sounds like a fantastic time. Who wouldn't want to do that? But you know, you know. Then the next right, day but then the next morning, and, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> no one talks about the, well, all the puking uh, around you and
1: all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, so I I just feel that there's a, there's a. It's it's incumbent on the person telling the story of the good times to make sure that they point out that it's not all candy and roses, and uh, and and so in many cases, it's it's death. You know, yeah, and uh, the, the so many people it's death or suicide attempts. Because there's only three ways to get out of it. There's you either get clean, which is very, very hard. You go to jail, or you die. Those are it. There's, there's only three ways out.
0: So, are you so? Would you say you're sober now, or rockstar sober?
1: Oh, I've been sober for years. Oh, I've been sober for fully years. Sober. Okay, for, yeah,
0: that's awesome. For 10, 15 years. Was there something? Did something just click for you, or, or it was a long process to get to get to the the? No, seat? it was.
1: It, I knew. Um, I knew at a certain point that it was that I'd gotten too too deep into it, and it was time to get out. And then it was just uh, then it was the nightmare of getting out of it. Mm-hmm. But that's too long a story to tell. Let me just. I mean, you say, say that I'm sure it's on your podcast. I've been clean. <laughs> I've been clean for a hundred years now. It seems like, and to be honest, I don't know how I ever wanted to live that lifestyle because I don't anymore. But I'm very lucky.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of people live with that, you know, one day at a time. Which oh, that's got to be horrible to live with. I, I don't have that. I don't have any cravings, any desires, um, which I'm so, so lucky. I can't stress enough how lucky I am because most people live with, a, with, the, with one day at a time where they don't know whether they're going to use one day or the next. I knew when I quit that I was done. Like, mm. I just knew it. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, well,
1: that's but great. Not because, not because I'm stronger willpower, not because is, just because of my brain chemistry. I was lucky enough to be able to quit. When, and, and as my addictionologist said, he goes, I don't think you were ever a true addict. I just think I've never seen anybody who abused drugs as bad as you.
0: <laughs> well, when, whenever you do something, you do it to the fullest. That, that, that's just a personality trait of yours.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I give so much. To, I would give so much to change so much. Everybody says, Oh, I have no regrets. Oh, I got so many regrets. I have thousands, probably not thousands, but I got hundreds of regrets. Um, and uh i would do things so much differently if i could now but i can't and so that's the card I, that's the path i chose um and so i just i try not to look at i try to look back on it as with with both fondness and with with that poor kid needed a hug. That that younger me just needed a hug really bad. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Yeah, and I mean, all you can really control is the present. So you, you, as long as you're you're doing it right in the in the today, I think that that's fine.
1: Yeah, that's uh, uh, all you can control. It's also why I don't like to live in the past because mm-hmm. it already happened. I already did it. You know. Yeah, you can't control. I mean, it. I don't mind. I don't mind occasionally. It, it's why I don't do a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. other than my own because I don't like to dwell in the past because you know I already did it I had fun I got the t-shirt I threw up on the t-shirt I bought another t-shirt I threw (laughs) up on that one but eventually I you know after throwing up on 87 t-shirts I finally grew out of the t-shirt and it no longer fits
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and so basically it's like you know like I was just talking to I told you I was talking to the guy about Portland wrestling Mm -hmm. it was fun to look back on it you know it was it was a nice hour of looking back but I don't understand how guys can sit there and watch their matches, you know, and just spend their whole lives watching all their old stuff because then you're not living. You're just, you're just reminiscing. Like, I mean, you know, it's, it's always fun to reminisce, but once I, I don't want to live there, I don't want to live in the past, you know, I yeah, don't mind w- checking in every so often, but I, I want to live in the current.
0: Yeah, I, I, absolutely, I absolutely hear it. You gotta, you gotta create new memories. You can't just right. constantly talk yeah, about old yeah,
1: memories. That's that's exactly. It. I'm still trying to. I'm still trying to create new fun and new adventures to have for myself now. So why would I want to rest on my laurels when I'm still trying to create? You know.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of fun on, on your podcast, uh, The Raven Effect. If we could end on a slightly more upbeat note, because uh, you've already given me a, a lot of your time, which I really appreciate. Uh, you. Re- there was a podcast with uh, Jericho. You had, where you talked about, uh, like, Rolling Stone did, like, their top 40 SNL character or, like, they ranked every SNL character, and it was so interesting to me, because I kind of watch SNL with the same kind of mind that I watch pro wrestling, and it was interesting to see that you had a very similar thought to it, like, if I, do you watch the current SNL Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't watched last night yet, I was going
1: to watch it when I hung up with you.
0: Uh, well, yeah, like, to, I, I kind of watch it like a wrestling, like, who's getting over, what bits are getting over, and, like, to me, like, I think, like, what is your opinion of SNL, like, this current run of it?
1: Okay, yeah, it's funny, like, I watched it for a while, then I stopped watching, then I watch again, then I stop probably, like, our wrestling fans watch wrestling, mm-hmm. um, you know, and when it gets big again, you start, watching like, the Kristen Wig and, um, the, uh, right. who, who, was, who was the... Um, Fred Armisen. Who was the guy on top after Will Ferrell? Uh,
0: Andy Samberg. Like what? What was it? Where were the bits? Oh
1: uh, yeah, no, not Samberg. Um, but who? Okay, wait. Yeah. So like right around that era, I tuned mm-hmm. in a little bit, but I didn't watch a lot. Um, and then I tuned in a couple of years ago, and then and it was all right. So I tuned out, and then I started watching again recently. Uh, in la I guess last year I started watching again, and um. And it, it's starting to it's starting to pick up steam. Like I, I love Keenan uh, Keenan Thompson.
0: Yeah, he, um, he always delivers.
1: He's, he's, he, yeah, you know it's like they finally found a black guy who wasn't just a token black guy. since Eddie Murray, you know, because Garrett Moore seemed like he was an afterthought half the time. Mm-hmm. You know, although although he was much more used than than like t- like uh, what's the guy Tim um, Meadows. Meadows yeah. He he, he seems worthless to me. But I didn't you know. But I didn't watch a lot of that era. But he seemed kind of worthless. Uh Eddie Murphy was huge. He was monstrous. But then after that it seemed like you know the black guy was just the black guy until Keenan Thompson kind of put his own spin on it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, he's got a lot of great characters and he his impersonations I feel always always work. They they always get a laugh out of me. But, but the 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 main person that draws me is Kate McKinnon. She's just absolutely amazing. She is a total superstar. I agree. And I like I've seen I I watched the movie she was in. And like the movie wasn't even good, but she totally but carried she's great. it. Yeah, like all yeah, of her lines, great. nailed. She nailed it. She's she's the best, and I like how she's playing all these these male roles of these male Republicans that you know they're just seething mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that a, a lesbian is is playing them. So her, I, I'm
1: into that. Her, 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 her Jeff Sessions is unbelievable.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, she she, she does and,
1: and, and the way she, the way she. The way she decided the the, the thought that she's decided that she's descended from raccoons or possums <laughs> or whatever,
0: yeah, I love that I love just, that I love knowing that it's gonna piss the person they're making fun of off
1: <laughs> yeah and and then um and also what's really cool is she can fart on cue oh <laughs> I didn't yeah, know. Because, yeah did, did you ever see a movie Christmas party,
0: yeah. Uh, like I, I, with, um, with name? like uh, TJ Miller,
1: guy in it? uh, really Jason funny, Bateman. but had uh, some Me Too move problems. TJ Miller, um, Jason Bateman, TJ Miller, yeah, yeah, I love TJ Miller, but I haven't heard from him since the so maybe the Me Too thing wasn't legit. I don't know. Uh, he's just doing stand up anyway, in but, New York, he, he's around, oh, okay, so, yeah, but so anyway, but not to get off on the subject on the side note, but so she, I saw her on in an interview show, or maybe no, maybe it was TJ Miller. And he was talking about how she could fart on cue because she does that one scene where she farts, Mm -hmm. but she actually can literally. She didn't have to have a a fake fart noise; (laughs) she could actually fart on cue. That's great. And she's beautiful. And she's beautiful too. Yeah, yeah. No, she's great. Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon's like. I'm like. I'd love to see. I'd love to know what she's really like in person because. I mean, she's funny. She's not afraid to look foolish. She's beautiful. She can fart on cue. I mean, it's a perfect. It's a girl to take home to mom.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, she's definitely the, the the breakout star of the show and the one that kind of is like the glue of that show.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, or it's like like um, Michael Che is always going to hit you with 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 a with a black point of view, which I love. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's always had you know the. He gives you that point of view that, you, that, that we're not, as white people, we're not allowed to say, but it's still exactly apropos of society, and, and you're going to get that from him. But if he got really fat, or if he, not but if he got fat, I don't care. But if he, if he got unfunny, I would say he got unfunny. Like, he was not funny on The Daily Show. Not funny. And then they hired him away. I was like, why would the Saturday Night Live hire him away? Now I think he's amazing. But I also think Michael Che didn't start out that funny on Saturday Night Live either. Like, he would stumble on his words. Now his stumbling is funny because it's part of his character. But, yeah, so, I mean, and Colin Jost is always, like, a, a workhorse. Um, I think they got a great cast now. I'm just – I hope that uh, – that, and, and, like, you know what I hated was when they would get down on uh, – on what's your name? Uh, the tall black chick, Leslie – Leslie Jones. Leslie, Leslie Jones. Man, that was – like, she is so absolutely fall-down funny. She's hysterical and but because she's a big black girl, they rag, they ragged her into the death in the uh in the ghostbusters movie. yeah well, I mean
0: like with that like i i I thought that whole controversy was dumb like it in no way affects your enjoyment of the original movies that they're redoing it
1: it was it was better than the original it was way weird really? really
0: i i i didn't find I, I was I was kind of bored with it I, I kind of was like
1: eh. I laughed out loud at it. I thought I thought the original was is never nobody's gonna be able to touch the original because it was the original, you know, because mm-hmm, it's, right. it's just a stellar piece of work. But it wasn't laugh out loud funny. I mean, it was it was entertaining as hell. It was amusing as hell, but it wasn't. Right. You know, there was no gutbusters in there. But that, but the the women's remake was hysterical.
0: Well, like I like, said, I, Kate, I Kate, Kate McKinnon stole the all theater. of
1: our scenes, definitely. And and was like that? If,
0: if to say something positive about the new Ghostbusters, I thought Kate McKinnon totally stole her scenes and was great and was like the constant like humor in, in the Melissa movie.
1: McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy is the funniest person on on, on anything. I she's love her, but she but
0: she was playing like the straight woman. Like she wasn't doing the bits. She was like reacting to this she was like playing like the stuff. And she's person. still
1: funny. But she's still funny reacting. Like, you know, it's like it's like Cartman is funny no matter what. Cartman's always funny, even if he's just saying the most Innocuous right. thing, it's still funny because the, he just his voice is funny.
2: I hear you. I'm a big
1: fan of Cartman. You know who else <laughs> is funny? King Julian the lemur. Hysterical. Not familiar with King Julian. Who is that? The Madagascar movies?
0: Oh, oh no, no, no. I haven't seen those. I'll
1: have uh, to- there's, and and he also has like a, a half hour um, a cartoon on uh, Netflix. The Madagascar movies are uh, uproariously funny. The, uh, but it's mostly the lemurs. Whenever, because <laughs> Sasha Baron Coet was actually the original uh, King Julian the lemur, and then another guy took over for him and did uh-huh. a, it an amazing job. But the character is uh, so psychotic. He he would be like he would be like a loony. He's a cross between Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. <laughs> like if you took those two and put them together, and you'd he have a lemur named King Julian.
0: I love I love these movie recommendations. I think the audience is really going to appreciate them.
1: Yeah, I mean, and uh, the other recommendation I'll give I would say the um the best the best actiony movie mm-hmm. ever like with with mystery and all that. And 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 even though the special effects are weak um, for the for the monster is brotherhood of the wolf.
0: Oh, I haven't checked that out. I'll have to. It's a,
1: it was like one, at one point, it was the biggest grossing French film of all time, but it's not a Frenchy film. It's, uh, I mean, it's not, it's not like, you know, you, all you do is put it, they re dub it in English, and it's, and it's, and it's weird. The star looks exactly like Triple H, oddly enough. <laughs> <It's a side laughs> I, I see, yeah, like
0: with the long hair, the old school Triple H. Uh, well, to, to wrap it up, do you do you like? Are you over wrestling now? Do you do you keep? I mean, I'm assuming you you keep up a little bit with the for the podcast, but would you
1: watch it? I don't watch it at all. I no. don't watch anything. You're done. You're... No, I just have no interest. I you know, I lost interest when when WWE stopped using me mm-hmm. or when it didn't use me well. It it broke my heart and I just lost interest and and I'm a completist, so I'd have to watch. Like I I always watch every wrestling show. I'd have to watch every wrestling. I can't watch that much. I don't. Have, I don't have that much time, and yeah, too it's much crazy. good TV out. Yeah, and uh, and from what I understand, you know, even back then in 2000, when I stopped watching, there, you know, you you'd have one or two good matches on a show, and you'd have to watch. Whereas you have to watch a whole show, two hours or three hours, to get a couple good segments. Whereas back when I first started watching it, most when I started watching wrestling, it was an hour show. And you'd be lucky if there was a good segment on there. You know what mm, I mean? Right. Because it was all squash matches yeah, back in yeah. the day. But but that's what I grew up on. But then when it got once wrestling got started getting good, you know, I mean, started getting where they'd have competitive matches on TV. Which the reason they never did was because that's what drew you to that to the house show to make you pay money. You know. But once they started doing that. Get spoiled, and now, like, I couldn't sit through a three hour show. I don't, and plus, three hours is too
0: long. Yeah, well, I I recommend getting a DVR, fast forwarding, getting it through it
1: in an hour, if even. I can't, I can't, I'm a completist, so I'd have to watch the whole thing, and I'd have to stop and go, Oh, let me see what's going on here. Oh, this isn't any good. Maybe it gets good, I'd have to watch, right? And I just don't have any interest. I just, wrestling doesn't do it for me, it doesn't give me my Jones anymore because I've been there, done it, and outgrew the t shirt, you know. (laughs)
0: Well, Raven, thank you so much for taking time to hang out with me. It's been such a pleasure. One of these days, maybe if we see each other in person, you can tell me about that Seven Deadly Sins storyline that you, you you came up with at WWE Never used, Or, no, they did the Seven Deadly Sins, but well, you had another story. No,
1: line. they did. They started it. They didn't do it right. They started it, and then they let me go, like, two weeks into it. But it is the greatest storyline I've ever written, if uh and for uh, when we get a thousand five star reviews in the podcast, I'm going to tell the whole the whole the whole storyline how it was supposed to play out everything. I love it, and it's nothing. It's it's a it's really the best thing I've ever created, and uh but and we're we're at 757 five star reviews, which is a lot, bro. We haven't even been doing it for we've barely been doing it for a year. So that's a lot of five star reviews. All right. So, well, that's
0: a good so
1: teaser. Yeah, absolutely. So get people to get five-star reviews. Just go to applepodcast.com or Apple podcast and just give it a five-star review to yeah. Raven Effect podcast.
0: Yeah, if you want to hear more Raven, every week, the Raven Effect, you and your buddy Buzz. And, you,
1: and if you don't, look, even if you don't, just go give it a five-star review, you know,
0: because <laughs> that helps our yeah. rating. Yeah, do, you know, do it for me, because I'm really curious what this, and I'm going to go and give you a five-star review, because I'm really curious about the Seven Deadly Sins. You've been building it up for years. I want to hear what this it, is storyline is
1: it is far and away because i'll just get obviously it's based on a movie seven but you know in the movie seven the guys raping chicks with you know with with uh sword dildos or whatever you can't do that on tv so how do you make it how do you make that how do you get that psychological damage Mm -hmm. without without those kind of viciousness things that they did in the movie and that's why i'm so proud of it because i had to come up with a way to make these things have meaning and psychological terror to them and, and, and to into and, and, and to totally inhabit those sins and not in a hokey way, but in a way where people go, Oh man, what the hell this is so wrong, but yet so fascinating and, and, cr- and cringeworthy, but you can't look away. So, I mean, if I would have got to do it, which is what, which is when I, when I picked it to Vince, um, he, uh, I'll tell you about that next
0: time I talk to you. I'll leave that as a cliffhanger. Oh, ah. right. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, well, you're welcome back anytime, Raven. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for being on the Squared Circle
1: Pit. Oh, you're welcome, man.
0: That was absolutely so cool to talk to Raven, get a chance to hang out on the phone with one of my all-time favorite professional wrestlers. And uh, I forgot to ask him about how he picked the Bowery as his uh, location Resonance for the character Raven because anytime I'm in Manhattan, there's there's you know a whole avenue called Bowery, and I always just think about him. So it's pretty funny. Anyway, thank you again to Raven his podcast, The Raven Effect. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. It's a very interesting time for pro wrestling right now. It's December, typically December it's supposed to be slow, but there's a lot going on. In the world of WWE, I'm really, really excited about Becky Lynch and her current character progression. And I'm very much looking forward to her match with Charlotte and Asuka at the TLC pay-per-view. I'm glad they didn't just do Charlotte versus Becky. It's kind of cool adding Asuka into it, a nice wild card possibility. And they're definitely going to have the match in the night. Uh, As far as other stuff in WWE, I'm not really excited about too much else. I'm curious about this Daniel Bryan heel turn, although a little trepidatious about it because I feel he worked very well as a face, but it seems like he really wanted to turn the He seems committed to it, so I'm sure in that case it will be good. Uh, I don't have much positive to say about Raw. I've been fast-forwarding through it. I've been getting through it in like an hour or less because there's just so little interesting to watch. It's crazy now that Roman Reigns is off the show, how empty the show feels and how... They're, Like, the people they're choosing to rebuild around, I'm just not interested, mainly Eric Corbin. Uh, The world of New Japan, it's the New Japan World Tag League Tournament. I've been checking in once in a while, uh, and mostly been watching the main event matches, which have been really fun. It's some combination of Okada and Tanahashi teaming up for the first time, and usually with Kushida, and they're going against the uh, Bullet Club uh, with Jay White, Bad Luck Ballet, and Ishimori. Those are fun matches. I haven't really been watching too much of the Tag League stuff, but uh, I'm going to check back in this weekend because that's when the English commentators are back and it's like the big shows of the tour. And I'm really hoping, as I get a little burpage, I'm really hoping we get uh, Ibushi winning the never open title this weekend. And then hopefully Will Ospreay will challenge for it at Wrestle Kingdom, which is a month away, which is so insane. New Japan's biggest show of the year. It's been a year already, and it's coming up, and it's looking really, really good. Main event, Omega vs. Tanahashi. Uh, I'm looking forward to Jericho and Naito. Uh, Okada and Jay White has sold me. They do a Bushi vs. Osprey. That would be insane. It looks like they're going to be doing Cody Rhodes versus Juice Robinson, which I'd be cool with. And uh, I bet there's going to be a bunch of other really sweet matches. I hope Ishii gets a nice spot. But the big story seems to be All Elite Wrestling, this new promotion... Uh, We don't even know if it's a promotion. It's a new startup from Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, and the son of the billionaire owner of the Jaguars. I really hope this happens. I I think that Cody and the Young Bucks really get what wrestling is today. And All In was so fun. And it would be so cool if they do a weekly show. Which, it seems like that's what they're trying to do. There was a trademark for a TV show called Tuesday Night Dynamite. Which I think is... As cheesy as the name sounds initially it kind of, It's clear to me They're going after like something that sounded like Nitro So I'd be into that I'd be into a weekly indie Tuesday show And I hope they get The success that they want And I hope they can work with all the Indie promoters out there like Ring of Honor And NWA and all those guys To kind of make it like a super Showcase of all the indies Every week on TV I think that would be really cool uh, And I guess that's really all going on in the world of pro wrestling that I think of <laughs> off the top of my head. And uh, as always, I'd love to hear from you. Please give us a, a shout. Squared Circle Pit is on Twitter, on Facebook. On Twitter, there's no E in circle. Squared Circle Pit, no E in circle. You can always find me on all social media as Rob Injection. And I guarantee you it not be as much of a time as there was from the last episode to this episode as it is from this episode for the next episode, so I'll see you soon.